0: Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain. Each episode, we bring together leaders across the supply chain space to discuss the role of technology and business model innovation on the future of supply chain. The Future of Supply Chain podcast is presented by Dynamo. Dynamo is a pre-seed and seed stage supply chain investor. To learn more about Dynamo and this show, head over to www.dynamo.bc podcasts or subscribe on the platform of your choice. Now let's get into the show. Here's our host, Santosh Sankar. Hey, ladies and gents, welcome back to the Future Supply Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Santosh Sankar. And joining me today is Stefan Seiber, CEO of Transporion. Welcome, Stefan.
1: Good evening, Santosh. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: It is uh, great to have you on. And uh, for our our listeners, they've been on a multi-week European tour with us, so to speak. And before we jump in here, I'd love to level set the knowledge and understanding at a high level of transporion for our listeners, would you be able to give us a quick ninety seconds on it?
1: Sure. Uh, with pleasure, yeah, so we're a European digital freight platform. We do serve large multinational clients and we support them in in more than a hundred countries around the globe. We do offer services starting with market intelligence and benchmarking through to procurement and rate management, freight execution real-time visibility and the whole set of freight all the settlement and payment on our platform our customers are 1300 large multinational shippers retailers and about a hundred and thirty thousand carriers and we execute about a hundred thousand transports a day on our platform
0: and what's your story what's the stefan cyber story how did you get into the world of supply chain software
1: <laughs> yeah that's a very good question it's a I would say it's largely a coincidence. I'm, I'm a tech person. I'm, I'm not a logistics or a transportation person. I spent most of my professional career working for B2B software and tech providers. I'm enthusiastic about platform and network business models. I, I like data and I like tech with a purpose. And, and when I started the dialogue with the TP board, the Transporion board, I knew that Transporion definitely takes those three boxes and and I have to admit that supply chain and transportation has a certain fascination. After all, it's a very real industry. We all see it. We all need it. At times we suffer from it. But one of the cool things for w- in working for transport is you never get angry anymore about trucks on the highway.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a very interesting observation. But equally, I, I can relate. Since... Um, investing or, or beginning my investing career in this industry, j- just tend to have more empathy for truck drivers, warehouse workers, deliveries being late. <laughs> I think I'm a bit more Absolutely. tolerant of. But y- you're in this interesting vantage point, Stefan, and I'd love to use that to just get a state of the union or, or your take on supply chain, both in Europe as well as globally, right? Given you, you maintain a global customer base, what are you thinking about? What's sticking out to you? Yeah, the last,
1: whatever, 18, 24 months, I think, have been, have been somewhat eye-opening for, for many of us, right? It, it showed the vulnerability of our economy, our society on the one side, but it also showed how, how co- connected and how complex our work and our world is. And and, and we expect those supply chains to continue to improve, become more productive, more accurate, faster. And at the same time, we want to be increasingly sustainable. We want to keep on driving costs down. And I think all of these things that we want to achieve together do force all of us to fundamentally rethink the approach we're taking. And I think digital tooling and digitization overall approaching global supply chain with a real network approach have become sort of imperatives to be, to be successful in the future.
0: And I, I want to dig in a, a bit deeper here into Transporion and, and, and the core. What's the landscape like for supply chain software in, in Europe? Because you're clearly uh, the market leader there as you think about the different areas you are engaged in. But how should our, our listeners think about this landscape? Because I think it's a landscape that is continuing to evolve, is getting more attention, is clearly seeing more investment capital uh, drawn to it.
1: Absolutely. But I think there are also some parallels to, to North America and the United States in particular, right? It's still a very fragmented market on, on, on the one side when it comes to tech players and tech providers, but also when it comes to the logistics and transportation providers. And I think what becomes increasingly obvious for me is that the, the boundary between tech companies and logistics or transportation companies is, is sort of getting a bit blurry, right? Some of our, some of the traditional tech com- logistics and transportation companies have become tech companies themselves. And some of the pure tech companies like ourselves develop more and more industry knowledge and become more of logistics and transportation companies. I, I would say overall, overall, the United States is most likely a few months, probably a few years ahead of us. But, but we're, we're in a global industry and, 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 and we're, sort of, we're sort of learning fast. And, and I think Europe is catching up. We see some complexities probably here in Europe that do not exist to the same extent in the United States. Multi-legislation, multi-language, a, a lot of regulation on different levels hitting the market. I think the infrastructure is probably even more tight than in the United States, just when look, looking at the space we have. But on the other side, we also have some some advantages, you know, like shorter distances, more, more, more densely populated when we compare Europe to, to the United States.
0: And with that, I, I think some of the aspects around fragmentation, are are there underlying drivers? That have also resulted in fragmentation around software technology understanding in in Europe. Like I, I can think, perhaps like country, language, culture. It, are those the the primary drivers? Or are there other more like industry led things that have created this historic fragmentation?
1: I, I I do think that countries and languages and legislation contribute to it, but I would also say there are some underlying drivers that make this market probably more fragmented than some other technology markets. And the reason why I say this is I think even if you look into the United States, even if you look into North America or any other part of the world, the supply chain tech market is, if you compare it to, I don't know, financial accounting is probably more fragmented than than the ERP market and i think that is driven by just the, the, the complexity and the diversity of the industry the, the many different business models that are that are there and, and quite a large number of companies that really compete on business models and and look for their differentiation in their business model
0: mm and how does how does transporion think about business model and would that also kind of go-to market as you look at the entire European continent as within scope and having to navigate some aspects of that fragmentation
1: yeah so we so we're quite disciplined when it comes to our business model we we are a digital platform right and the digital platform meets or, or needs to meet a, a few requirements a few key function that it needs to deliver and and and, and a digital platform has also certain red lines that it in, in our opinion, should never cross, right? We, we are not the man in the middle. We, we are not in the freight contract, uh, meaning we are not a digital forwarder. We are providing digital tools and services. We are creating certain standards for interoperability, for doing business with each other. And by doing these two things on our digital platform, there's a community and a network that is evolving. And within this community and then within this network, We we believe that we can be more efficient in matching supply and demand, capacity demand and and, and supply, and and we can help the participants in our network to execute their processes with with digital
0: process efficiency. I know you assumed the CEO role back in 19, but I'd be curious, perhaps you'll have some insight into this. How is the decision made not to go full stack and also offer the the service and and to remain the software centric player because oftentimes you, you see this type of dilemma with founders as well as companies that are emerging in the sector?
1: Yeah, I think it goes back to something that you said in, in in one of one of the previous podcasts in this series that you said when you guys look at marketplace type of businesses, you always or again and again force them to go back to think about what is the, the core workflow mm-hmm. that they're trying to optimize and that they're trying to improve and and if you if you if you really think about this then you sort of come probably come to the to to, to true core of your purpose and in our case it is really providing the digital platform to the industry for more efficient processes and more efficient matchmaking and not to be the person or the party that is most efficient in buying and selling capacity, and I think if you stick to that, to that core workflow, to that core value proposition that you do, then then that also gives you the discipline to scale your business model around this value proposition, right?
0: Yep, yep, yeah, that's uh, I, I think spot on, and 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 exactly how we work through it, and I think for for some businesses, for some teams, there's more comfort an opportunity staying really true to the software model. And, and for others, there's more of a kind of reason behind moving towards going full stack. But exactly. Yeah. I, I want to kind of delve into your portfolio of, of software that you have and would love to get a primer on the seven major categories as I go through your website that you have listed, but first up would be around market intelligence and, and benchmarking.
1: Yeah, so this is this is what we offer to either larger shippers or 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 larger logistics providers, carriers, forwarders, whatever you want to call them. Give them an opportunity to basically benchmark the rates that they either have on buying or selling their freight services and, and, and comparing them to, to a peer group. And and that's for us sort of the entry point into, in many cases also, then work with these parties on on their freight procurement and rate, rate management challenges, supporting them to, you know, issue tenders and RFPs and, and, and ask possible suppliers and, and, and the partners to submit their offers.
0: And then next up is around freight procurement and rate management.
1: Yeah that's that's exactly the part of our platform where as I said we we do offer mainly to shipper customers an opportunity to run their RFPs a request for proposals and tender freight services for the contracted part of the business what we've seen for example over the last 18 months is that in general those tenders gotten smaller like in size and the number of lanes but also shorter in terms of how long the tenders were running we've seen more tender activity, So it was very obvious that there was a lot of uncertainty in the market and everybody was trying to sort of drive by sight a little bit. But that's sort of that part. And then we, we take those negotiated rate cards and integrate them into our rate management tool, which then becomes the basis for the next step, transport execution.
0: The third segment is transport execution. Yeah, transport
1: execution is probably the core of our business, right? This is where we execute roughly 100 to 110,000 loads every day. For us, full truck loads is, is probably the biggest segment. I don't know how familiar you are with the European geography, but if you would line up 100,000 100, trucks, that, that would sort of give you a queue every day from our headquarter in the, in the middle of Europe, in Germany, down to the southern tip of the of the of of Italy. <laughs> uh, so quite an impressive number Indeed. Of, of loads and transactions every day. And then on top of those transports, we also do book about the same amount of, as we call it, time slots or 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 dock scheduling appointments for loading and unloading. That's sort of the second big part of our transport execution business.
0: Time tracking and visibility.
1: Yeah, as the name says, right? This is the, the service we offer integrated in our platform to to track and trace, to follow the transports we think that actually seeing things happening is not enough right the visibility alone does it doesn't doesn't do a lot you need to be able to react on it or even better to act on it proactively to avoid things the the the, the wrong things from happening so that's why um about a bit more than a year ago we've th- we've taken the decision to upgrade our whole platform to be real-time visibility enabled and, and today every transport every time time slot every transaction in essence that happens on our platform comes with an rtv stamp an eta on it so we can track and trace pretty much anything that happens on the platform in real time freight settlement and audit and, and that's the end of the 360 degrees freight transaction right yep. you 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 um Ultimately, things are delivered, the driver has showed up, the container got unloaded, uh, and then somebody needs to pay for the, for the bill, right? And, and we do offer the full service to our customers, helping them with the settlement, audit for more complex supply chain networks, uh, and even some uh, services around payment to settle the whole, the whole freight transaction at the end.
0: And then lastly, you have uh, aspects related to platform and, and integrations. And we'd love to kind of get your take on the, the importance of this to the business. I, I,
1: yeah, I think it's absolutely critical because we we run with, you know, probably the exception of less than 20 older implementations customers that are still running on sort of previous versions of technology. Other than that, we run all our customers on one single cloud platform. And and we don't even talk about multi-tenancy because there are no tenants, it's a network application. They're all using the same application that gives them on the one side, a a good customer experience, right? Our our carrier customers, for example, they only have one portal and they can use one and the same portal to get access to all uh, their respective shipper data. And also for us as a provider, it's quite unique because the pace and the velocity at which we can innovate with our customers is is great right we can we can really think about i always call this is almost like a tesla type of experience where you know customers log on to the platform in the morning and there's a set of new features that the platform has learned overnight and that's very very unique for a technology company in my opinion
0: and the one thing I, I did see is you recently acquired Logit One in ocean visibility. We'd, we'd love to hear more about that as it adds to your portfolio of track and trace visibility capabilities.
1: Yeah. So our, our six-fold real-time visibility offering is, is, is largely focused on land transport and trucking. Now, most of our shipper customers are international customers and they operate global supply chains. So it's quite obvious that there is an increasing demand for having sort of one integral visibility offering. And, and certainly that was also fueled by some of the uncertainty, capacity crunch on, on the ocean market in the, in the last couple of months and, and still going on. But what we also realize is that it becomes more and more of a multi-mode world. And, and that's not only the combination of ocean and land, This is even within land transport and within, for example, domestic transport in the US or in Europe, we see more and more shipper customers, but also carrier customers looking into multi-mode type of transports, combining rail and road, combining barges and rail and barges and rail and road in different forms, right? And Logit One for us is predominantly also an acquisition that not only gives us this ocean visibility component, but also gives us this multimodal planning component so that our customers can use the platform to look at their transport requirements, compare the different options based on the rate cards or routing guides they have negotiated with their uh, suppliers, with their service providers, and look for that one way of executing a transport that has sort of the best fit compared to what they are uh, planning for, right? And and what we see increasingly is that while in the last, you know, decades, we've optimized transportation predominantly for two KPIs, which was quality as in is in reliability and as in punctuality and cost, we see more and more a third KPI coming into the mix, which is sustainability. And and that increases the complexity, which we like because we're dealing well with complexity that gives us an opportunity to play our strength. And having this multimodal planning capability is something that we feel is important, increasingly important for our customers.
0: Yeah. And I did notice also the work Transporian's doing around decarbonization. And I believe there's a product set that will be launched early next year the carbon visibility product. Could you expand a little bit on that just to give our, our audience a, a sense as to how you're thinking about enabling your customers to be better stewards of the environment?
1: Absolutely. Very happy to do so. So the whole the whole initiative started with with a hackathon that we we ran within Transporion. We we invited our our staff to participate in a two-days hackathon. We also work with a few partner universities where we invited students to be part of this. And, and the teams competed around five five sustainability challenges that we gave them. We then selected four teams, put them in a more or less three plus minus three-month incubator and asked them to come up with an MVP product. And Carbon Visibility is the first product that we're launching and that we're bringing to market. We're currently in a beta pilot with two hands full of, of, of shipper customers that are piloting the version. And it's, it's, it's the first product because it's, it's also the one that helps us to measure and baseline your carbon footprint. And then on top of that, we, we will be launching in the course of next year, a, a green tender and a green assignment product. So not only giving customers on both shipper side, but also carrier side an opportunity to baseline and, and, and measure their carbon footprint, but also gives them an opportunity to start uh, you know, working on, on reducing this carbon footprint. And, and as I said before, we see more and more that sustainability becomes, becomes a KPI uh, that customers are, are using when they plan, when they source their transport services, when they execute their transport activities. And, and, and I think this is a unique opportunity for again shipper and carriers to uh, launch and to offer more differentiated products to their customers
0: yeah are, are there any software oriented opportunities that that you see within this broader theme of decarbonization or sustainability that are of interest to you
1: yeah ab- absolutely look i mean we 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 are convinced that there is about thirty percent of waste in transportation processes, right? There's a combination of broken, broken communication flows, low levels of digitalization, empty runs, idle capacity, waiting times, and, and that sums up to what we think is about 30% of inefficiency. If you translate this into an economical damage, looking at the European FTL market, which is about 200 billion per year, then that adds up to 60 billion per year, right? So there's a substantial economical damage. And that doesn't factor in the ecological damage that is being created. Now, we believe that a large part of those 30% inefficiencies can be addressed by simply using digital tools, increasing interoperability of the supply chain networks, allowing more parties to do business with each other, using more data to take better decisions and have real-time insight into what is happening on the one side, but even more important, to be predicting what should happen. And and, and this is the opportunity that is there for, for digital and for technology. We don't need to wait for capital and, and, and investment-intensive technologies like electric cars and hydrogen fuel and autonomous driving. But these technologies will come. There's no doubt, and, and we're looking forward to these technologies. But until they are there, ready for prime time for the vast majority of the industry, there's so much we can do by just addressing those inefficiencies in the, in the global transport processes.
0: So shifting gears a, a little bit here, a lot of what we're seeing a Dynamo around legacy trucking, brokerage, forwarding, is this opportunity to optimize and automate workflow. And Really at the crux of what Transporion provides is this type of enablement for your customers. Do you have a sense of where the industry is in embracing this trend and kind of how we think about it is being able to scale revenue without necessarily having to scale your headcount or your underlying expense base?
1: Yeah. And, and Absolutely. And, and again, I think it goes back to what you said in that other podcast. It's really about this core workflow that you are supporting, right? And, 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 and we think there is still a lot of work that we can do. So you could almost say like we're, we're 21 years old now, the company Transporion. But for the last two decades, we haven't really changed substantially what we're doing we've gotten hopefully more smart and more advanced in the application of technology and data and real time insight and everything but but the core mandate our our purpose why we exist didn't really change right a, a few examples that that we were currently working on and that we see really taking taking off is Anything around autonomous software, autonomous procurement, removing manual interaction, for example, in in spot market buying, allowing smaller teams to manage higher volumes of transactions using artificial intelligence and machine learning, present those loads to carriers that meet their expectations while achieving better results and better rates also for the shippers, right? Another example is our connecting load agent or, or, or our six, six-fold capacity finder that presents capacity that is avail- available nearby when, when you're looking for capacity. So proactively suggesting to assign loads to carriers that are unloading nearby anyway, reducing empty miles, waiting times, idle capacity. And, and another product that we will be launching very soon, very early in 22, is It's sort of a subcontracting option on our platform because we realize that subcontracting is sort of in many ways that part of the process where the digital supports breaks and and and, and we all want to see have to have have, we all want to have a more complete view on a transaction, having full visibility, having end-to-end digital documentation, rapid and automatic settlement and payment throughout the whole chain. And that's, uh, again, back to the core workflow, just keeping the transaction on the platform for longer, and making sure that this digital support is really end-to-end, that gives us an opportunity to address this.
0: And how do you describe or articulate the importance um, of making these types of investments? Because they're not necessarily investments that you could do very quickly, or you'll see the effect immediately. Like it will take perhaps twelve to twenty-four months to really see this through. How how do you describe that to 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 people who might not fully appreciate, even though like automating and optimizing makes sense at, at a high level? The two types of people to convince, right? Is on the one on the one side, it's investors, and and we're we're a private.
1: A privately held company, and and we have the privilege of having, as I say, an educate the chairholder who is in this with with a good view on the industry dynamics and and also the velocity and the pace at which our industry moves. Then the other party, the other group of people to convince is, is of course prospects and customers. and in that sense, I would say the last eighteen to twenty four months were, in many ways, they were a curse for our industry, but they were also a blessing for our industry because I think by now all companies understand the importance of investing in digital tools and in the right technology. But what, what companies, in my opinion, often lack is sort of the belief that they can achieve results fast. And, and as a digital platform, we, we try to push down the barriers of entry as low as possible increase and, 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 and accelerate the time to value as much as possible and what we try to do is we try to almost make this sort of a, a series of no regret moves for prospects and customers that we just say like join the platform start to use the tools get to learn what you can achieve and how fast you can achieve it and then we're here to grow with you and and that that really resonates well with the market
0: so Kind of wrapping up here, I want to do uh, this kind of fast and fun round where <laughs> you have 20 seconds to kind of give your thoughts on three different points. Okay. And the first point is COVID's impact on supply chain.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, as I said, it was a curse and a blessing for the industry. Uh, personally, I was impressed to see how well the whole industry stepped up and largely kept supply chains going, and especially my appreciation for the truck drivers has, has significantly increased.
0: A daily habit you maintain. I try to run every morning eight kilometers,
1: and I, in reality, I manage to do it about six times a week.
0: Okay, impressive. And then lastly, 2022 predictions for the European supply chain.
1: I think sustainability will become the number one driver for supply chain optimization and supply chain digitalization.
0: Well, with that, Stefan, we've covered a lot of ground here. It was great having you on, hearing your story, hearing about Transporion's focus, and uh, also thinking about what is uh, of importance as we think about the European supply chain market, the software market, and to your last statement there, sustainability.
1: Absolutely. Thank you again for having me, Santosh. It was a pleasure. Merry Christmas, happy holiday season to you, and all the best.
0: Likewise. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked. And be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Until next time.